skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are going to want to come film this. Put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out, put him out. I just see it, I just see it, I just see it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn. Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab, and it came back as an unknown creature. Hey guys, and welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. We are the connoisseurs of the strange, navigating the treacherous waters of the unknown, diving deep into the Mariana Trench of weird information, then surfacing up to the swirling vortex of the Bermuda Triangle to bring you guys the most bizarre encounters imaginable, then dissecting them with the skill of a pathologist to theorize what exactly is going on in this bizarre reality we all reside in. I am Shane. And I'm Oren. And I'm Jenny. And we are the Bizarre Crew, as always. And uh, today, of course, we have a killer fucking show for you guys. But before that, we got to give you guys some updates on what's going on with us and everything that's uh, going on in our personal lives, of course. So that being said, what's new with you guys? How are you guys doing? Uh, We're hanging in there. It's been uh, pretty quiet over here in uh, North Carolina. But uh, we've heard that you've kind of had a hectic little time here trying to get caught up from uh, all your technical difficulties. Oh, yeah. You guys are all quiet on the Eastern Front, and I'm over here uh, (laughs) frantically trying to catch back up on everything, because as everybody heard from the last episode, I had all of my tech issues. So that set me back a week. So this week, trying to catch back up, I've been doing double episodes, trying to get myself a little bit of a push forward again. So I got like eight episodes banked in the computer, uh, two episodes of Bizarre Encounters, and that's all just sitting there. I got... uh, a lot of the notes done for some upcoming shows that we got working out on. Um, I've been working on, actually, I don't even want to want to throw it out there yet. I want to surprise you guys with it. But uh, I have a show that I've been putting together that I think that you guys will definitely enjoy. And I feel like it's an angle that not a lot of people will have covered as far as the topic goes. So just kind of hitting and uh, getting you guys excited for some stuff that's uh, coming down the pipelines. But that's about it for me over here. But... <laughs> so you're teasing us over there. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I like to tease. There you go. Well, on that note, (laughs) if uh, any of our listeners out there want to contribute to the show in any way, you can uh, always suggest a topic or a guest for us to have on. Or if there's any researchers or artists or anything of that nature that want to contribute to the show, you can reach out to us uh, through email, and that's bizarreencounters at outlook.com. And there's also a submission form on the link tree that you guys can reach out to us. 
And then the third option, of course, is you guys can always shoot us a message over on Instagram. Uh, that's the one that I'm the most active on. And uh, of course, while you're at it, if you're not already following the show, definitely follow the show and you guys will get some updates on some cool stuff going on with us, some new episodes coming out in the future. And uh, you know, while you're, while you're already doing that, you might as well go and uh, join the Telegram and the Discord and uh, help us build that up. Because like most things, the only way that we're, the show's ever going to progress and grow is with your guys' help. And uh, while you're at that too, fuck it. Drop a five-star review. Quick and easy. If you're already listening on Spotify, you don't even already listened to a minute of the episode at this point. So that means you can drop the five stars. So fuck it. Just go and drop that five stars. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do so, of course. Uh, if you guys don't already have some awesome Bizarre Encounters gear, definitely go and check out the Open Minds Media merch store and get yourself some of our awesome artwork. And uh, I do request, and hopefully you guys don't mind doing it. Uh, if you guys happen to pick up any of our shirts, send us a picture of you guys wearing it. Uh, if you don't want your face included, that's fine too. But I'd like to be able to repost, kind of share the love, give you guys a shout out with all that. So definitely send it over my way if you guys don't mind. Uh, if you guys want to support the show in a different way, of course, you guys can pop over to the Patreon. Uh, there for Bizarre Encounters, uh, you'll get early access to episodes. Uh, you'll also get live access to episodes. You'll also get the live replays to episodes if you're not able to make it, which is, of course, like the video format of the episode because we mainly just put it out in audio. But if you're a Patreon member, then you get the awesome video of what's going on. So if there's a, you know, a guest that's showing stuff, I'll kind of throw it into the cover art and all that, but it's a little bit easier if you can physically see it. So uh, the other way, of course, you guys can donate directly to the show and help us to one, upgrade some equipment so that we can get a little bit more crisp sound on uh, Orin and Jenny's end. And then the other aspect of that is that we want to make it out to uh, CryptidCon. So we want to vend there hopefully this year. So hopefully if you guys don't mind donating a little bit, it'll make it a little bit easier on our end. Then we can kind of get out, get to meet some of you guys. Um, hopefully it'll kind of cover a little bit of the gas, uh, the vending table, of course. And uh, even if we're not like selling a bunch of stuff there, you know, we just want to be able to go and interact with you guys and uh, kind of get the name out a little bit more. So all that, of course, is going to help us out drastically. We love you guys for it. And uh, anybody that donates to the show, of course, we'll give you guys a shout out on the show. Um, and if you guys want to support some other creators, you guys can go and check out Joe over at Crypto Theology. Of course, you guys will love all of the different merchandise he has because you're listening to this show. So of course, you're going to be into it. It's all, you know, aliens, UFO, paranormal, uh, cryptids, all that fun shit. So already in your wheelhouse. So go and check his stuff out. I guarantee you'll find something you like over there. Oh, and just in case you missed any of these things that these two have said, you can find all these links listed in the link tree in the show description. Check that shit the fuck out. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> all right, so I'm super excited for tonight's episode. Our guest is Al Satariga. He has been researching and investigating the paranormal for over 50 years and has a long family history of high strangeness. He's the founder of the Bronxville Paranormal Society and the director of the New York State Sasquatch Organization. He's also the director of the New York State Dogman Project and director of the New York State UFO Project. He was previously a guest of Shane's on Inquiries of Our Reality, and we're excited to have him here on Bizarre Encounters. So, Al, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us tonight, and it's an honor to have you here on our show. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. So I guess to uh, get rolling for anybody that didn't listen to our show or doesn't really know too much about you, uh, why don't you let them know kind of like how you got started doing everything and uh, what exactly got you into all of the things that you that you do? Okay, well, my mother was a psychic. Um, she didn't do readings or anything like that, but she would always have spirits come to her at night when she was asleep, when she was in a subconscious, uh, unconscious state, and she would 
talk all night long. People, you know, spirits would come to her all night long. Um, my aunt was a white witch and my cousin was a black witch. And, you know, there was always somebody in the family doing a seance or a Ouija board thing. And, you know, and me and my cousins, we were more like all, we were all like brothers and stuff. So we're always, always at each other's house. So we're always hiding in the shadows. We were small watching everything go down. You know, my brother is a parapsychologist, one of the first ones in the United States. He worked with Han Holzer's right hand man. They worked with Han Holzer's psychic Ethel. And um, so there was always a zillion books in my house on everything under the sun. And when he was finished reading them, I read them. Uh, had my first UFO sighting when I was 10. I had my first Bigfoot experience when I was 12. And I had my first uh, ghost uh, sighting when I was five. So it started early in my, in my family, in my life. And uh, it's just a natural progression for me. See, kind of getting into some of your stories, you mentioned that you had your first UFO experience when you were 10. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about that one? Okay. Um, lived, I, lived on a, I lived in a city called Yonkers. It was just outside of, outside of New York City. And uh, me and my best friend, Richie, we'd go up on my father's. My father had an A-frame garage. And we'd go up on the A-frame garage at night on the weekends. And we'd skywatch. And he, I would look south, he would look north, and we would just sit up there with the radio, listening to the local rock station, hanging out, just chilling out. And one night we seen what looked like three stars dancing in the sky. And uh, I was like, wow, check this out, Richard. And we were really we were looking at it, and it was way up there, man. They were way up there. So I had a I had a brilliant idea. I jumped down off the garage. I went into my father's garage and I pulled out his uh, crabbing flashlight, this big crabbing flashlight that he used when he went crabbing at night. He put the light on, the crabs would come right up to the light and he would just scoop them up, put them in the boat. So I got this big flashlight and I did like a little Morse code, you know, and they stopped. So then Rich was like, dude, let me check that out. And then he did a Morse code and they did it back. And then I was like, let me let me check it out again. So then I did like another Morse code and then one dropped down. It went from like being up at star level to just being above the plane, um, the, the planes that come out of Manhattan, uh, air traffic, just above the air traffic. And it was just it just dropped down like God, like in a blink of an eye. It was one minute it was as high as a star. And the next minute it was like just in a couple of thousand feet above us. And that freaked us out. And we, we jumped off the garage and we ran into <laughs> my room and we hid under the bed. And, you know, because we thought we were going to get abducted. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, my father came in later on at night and dragged us out of the bed and said, knock it off. And uh, that's how it all got started from that moment on. And, and you know, um, I started getting nosebleeds. I never had any nosebleeds. Even as a kid growing up on the street, got into a lot of fights, got punched in the nose a lot. My nose never bled. But I would wake up in the morning, it'd be blood all over the wall and all over the pillows. And, you know, my father would say, oh, it's because you don't stay still at night. You bang your head against the wall. <laughs> but I don't, rem I don't remember banging my head against the wall, you know. One night I came out of the, out of the bedroom, he and my mother were up watching the late news and I came up and I was taking these giant steps across the living room floor. 
And my father said, where the hell are you going? You know? And I was like, I'm going home. And he goes, really? He goes, I go, yeah. He goes, where's home? And I pointed up to the moon. I said, I'm from the moon. I'm, I'm, I'm not from down here. I told him. <laughs> and uh, he kicked me in the ass and sent me back into bed. <laughs> and um, ever since then, you know, it's been like just one thing after another. I've seen a lot of uh, different kinds of UFO crafts. You know what I mean? I, you name it, I've seen it from points of light to nuts and bolts to... Um, what do you call that? Um, the plasma kind. I've seen it all, you know what I mean? And we can get into that later on, um, talking about the exactly what I've seen, when I, where and when, and all the stuff that happened, you know, over the years, you know. That's awesome. So, um, obviously, you know, I kind of started down this paranormal high strangeness path looking into the whole UFO phenomenon. And when I first started, you know, I was a very, you know, nuts and bolts. These are flesh and blood creatures coming to us in nuts and bolts spacecraft. And, you know, I've said on the show before, the deeper I got into research and kind of down these rabbit holes, it didn't take me long to figure out that, you know, there probably, I think, still is some sort of nuts and bolts component to it. But I think there's something a whole lot stranger going on as well so um i was just kind of curious what your thoughts um or opinions if you're willing to share them on kind of the interplay between the nuts and bolts aspect and kind of the more um woo-woo side of the the ufo phenomenon um i believe the i believe there's two different phenomenons happening at the same time mm-hmm. i believe the nuts and bolts extraterrestrials are coming from deep deep space um, maybe using portals to, to, to jump, you know, time and space. I also believe that these other, um, let's call them, um, the other, not, not nuts and bolts crafts, but the plasma crafts, let's call are coming from a different dimension. Mm-hmm. And I think they're coming through, I think they're coming through portals as well to get here. They may need to come through in, the, in that plasma state to get from one dimension to the other, but um, two different phenomenons, both alien to our, our planet, our world, but from different directions. One may be coming from a lateral, the other one may be coming vertically. You know, I really tend to agree with that because I've heard a lot of people argue over, you know, are they extraterrestrials or more of an ultra-terrestrial type thing? And, you know, I almost think when you get to that point, you're kind of splitting hairs, like, they're from somewhere else either way. And, you know, I tend to agree with you that a lot of these like ancient alien, ancient astronaut type stories we hear, I do think those were flesh and blood entities from another planet that came down here. But like you said, I think there is something kind of stranger going on. So uh, basically what you outlined, that's pretty much kind of the, the point I'm at in my research. And obviously I haven't been doing this nearly as long as you and don't claim to be any sort of expert, but it's very reassuring to hear you kind of say, yeah, yeah, that's kind of, kind of where you're at as well. So thank you. Yeah, First of all, there are no experts in the paranormal. I don't <laughs> give a shit who you are. Uh, <laughs> if they say they are, uh, if, you, you if I hear you call yourself an expert, I'm calling bullshit on that. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
Uh, no, I mean, there are people who have more experience in the field. They've been studying it longer. And then there are people who are experiencers who are having actual paranormal experience. But as far as experts, no, no experts. Yeah, there are two different phenomenons going on. Um, and I was like, I like to say, when I first started my group, the Bronxville Paranormal Society, we covered everything, Par paranormal, cryptids, and, um, and UFOs. And once we started getting invited to symposium, we learned early on that you have to have a banner for each individual thing. Because if you go to a, a UFO symposium with a paranormal banner, you're going to get a lot of grief. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why we ended up, you know, the Bronxville Paranormal Society is, is the mother society. Um, all the other groups that we have are just branches of the same group. And this way, when we go to a symposium, we could hang up the right banners and we don't catch any grief. You know, because listen, nobody wants to go anywhere and, and fight with people, you know, nitpicking, you know, what's the exactly. paranormal guy doing here? You know, like, what the hell are you? What are you, an expert? You know, and, um, but yeah, no, and on all of these phenomenons, they're all interrelated. Exactly. They're all connected and they're all connected through frequency, vibration consciousness and intention those are the four keys to all of this stuff and no matter what you're investigating whether you're ghost hunting you're out squatching or you're doing the c5 you're using all four of these things to make contact you know what i mean and mm -hmm. that's the connection so when people say they're not connected um yeah they are and those are the connections that connects them all to every single aspect of the paranormal. Like I always say to people, um, what we consider paranormal in this realm, in the ether of the universe, it's just normal. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. You know, that's kind of a conversation we've had on the show before too as well is, you know, it seems like the Bigfoot people don't want to share information with the UFO people and the UFO people are at odds with the ghost people and it seems to us you know if everybody would just kind of share their information and share their research and see how connected all this stuff is i mean i think that's the only time or only way we can hope to find answers whatever that means is seeing the you know the connectedness of all this yeah you know i don't think i don't think there's way too much drama in the paranormal field and it doesn't matter if you your ghosts cryptids or ufos every field has its own drama going on and um so they can't even get along with each other how are they going <laughs> to get along well you know with other groups and there's there's always drama like i said it's just in the bigfoot world alone you have exactly. the flesh the flesh and blood and the supernatural, you know what I mean? And these guys, you can't even, you can't even have a, a conversation with one or the other if you're not, if you don't agree with them 100%. So, yeah. you know, it's a waste of time. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, science as we know it will ever take the paranormal serious because of all the drama and all the, and all the infighting. Yeah, and, you know, I personally don't think we're ever going to find rock solid set in stone answers to a lot of this kind of stuff but i think you know the journey is almost as important as the answers if not more so i mean i think the process of researching and asking questions and being curious it, it maybe in a lot of ways is more important than is bigfoot 
just a flesh and blood animal or is he something else? Like at the end of the day, even if we, you know, scientifically prove that, that takes a lot of the mystery and a lot of the, the kind of magic out of it as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know what? I think, like you said, the journey is important because it's important because it, it opens your mind and it widens your mind and the knowledge and all the little things that you find. And, and of course, we never get any answers. We always get more questions, right? <laughs> that's just the way the rabbit hole is, let's face it. But that's, that's what makes your that's what makes your brain grow your mind grow because you're always asking questions and questions and questions and you're learning more and more and more and like i said i know people who like i'm a flesher i'm a i'm a boots on the guy kind of ground i'm happiest when i'm investigating i don't care what i'm investigating long as i'm out investigating you know and i got friends who are basically you know um Computer investigators, all they do, all their research on the computer, you know what I mean? And all of their, all of their, all of their research is nothing but, it's, a, it's all, you know, opinion. It's just their opinion, you know, it's like, they read all this stuff and they say, well, it's, it's just, I say, well, it's also, it's, it's, it's uh, objective. It's, there's no you have no data that proves anything you're saying. It's just your opinion. You know, you you read a lot and you know a lot about the fields, but when it's all said and done, you don't have any hard data to prove what you're discussing. If you go out in the field and you get a cast, or you get an EVP, or you get an image on a camera or a thermal or whatever, that's physical evidence you know what i mean that's proof that, that you're actually you're finding evidence but to sit there and argue with me over theory um theory and uh, opinion i don't have time for that <laughs> yeah theories and opinions that there's no way to prove who's right and wrong so, yeah yeah, yeah I, that's, I, I don't 100%. argue i don't i don't argue uh conspiracy theories anymore because nobody wins and nobody loses and that's a lot of these people if you listen to a lot of the people that are out there now doing interviews all their whole their whole research is based on theory mm -hmm. and and they do it that way on purpose because this way they think you can never prove them wrong, but they can never prove you wrong. So nobody loses. What the hell good is that? Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. You know what I mean? So if I'm coming in with a, a 20, 23 inch foot, foot footprint cast, you know, and I'm showing you this cast, that's a physical evidence right there. It's not my opinion is saying that their feet are 23 inches long. Here's a cast that proves it, you know? So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I get it. Not everybody's meant to go out. I did a, <laughs> I did a symposium not too long ago on Bigfoot. And at the end of the symposium, after I do my big schmeal and I take questions and everything, I play all the vocalizations and, you know, I, I turn them all the way up and I usually have like really loud speakers because I want these people to get some kind of idea how powerful these creatures are. And believe me, I don't care if you blow it, put it through a Marshall stack, you're still not going to get the, the feel if you're right there in the field with it, with the creature going off. It's just not the same. It just doesn't come through. 
And when it was all said and done, and those people heard all these different kinds of screams and everything, they looked at me and they say, you go in the woods after you hear that? <laughs> and I say, no, I go in the woods to hear that. You know what I mean? And it, they're, just, they're just blown away by it. Like, and like I said, and that's not even doing it any justice, to be honest with you, you know, so... I mean, that's almost like a good thing to a certain extent, though, because if you record something that has like infrasound and you're able to play it back in the exact tone that it was being played in, you know, you might even play some of these recordings and just blast everybody with infrasound in unintentionally. Yeah, and when the camera I use, I, the I, microphone I use does record an infrasound. Absolutely, yeah. Because that's one of my big things. And I was like, I, I got to find the, I got to find the microphone that records an infrasound because, you know, I got to hear what I'm missing, you know, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, you know, so there's just, um, like I said, I'm, I'm boots on the ground. That's where I'm happiest. And, um, you know, we're going out this, this summer. Um, we did, we got two locations picked out one in New York and one in Connecticut. And uh, we're going to go out and see what uh, comes our way. But I uh, mean, you know, as far as UFOs, we've done CE5s. We like to call them AIEs, Active Intelligent Encounters. That's our our lingo for it. Um, but everybody knows them as CE5s. And uh, we've done about, I'd say, a half a dozen. And we've brought craft in about four times. Wow. So, you know, but again, that's not just me and my team. It's the people who are with us. It's a, you know, mind, everybody's got the same mindset and the energy is really good. You know, it's a very positive energy and everybody's got the same uh, intent to, to try to make contact. And um, I think it's a combination of everybody's energy that puts this intention out there into the ether. And, and it just rings out like a bell to them. And they hear it, or if they're interested, they come down to see who's calling them, you know? I mean, even kind of bouncing off that, too, I always say that people are only capable of the senses that we're capable of, like, in this reality that we're in currently. But that doesn't mean that other beings aren't capable of having other senses and things, too. Just kind of like animals, how they pick up on stuff. So, I mean, when you project out like that there could literally be like a, an exact signal that it's like they're they're sensing it and they're picking it up because they're a attached to you on a totally different yeah connection it's it's a frequency that's what it is it's a frequency you have all these like-minded people with the same intention with good energy and it's all going up into the to the ether and it's connecting and it's vibrating at a certain frequency that they hear you know I'll, i usually wear a green um Mulvedite stone, Mulvedite, Mul 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 I can't say the word I can't, today, I can't talk, uh, but it's supposed to vibrate at an alien frequency, you know, so when you're using that as well, that's just amping that, all that intention up, you know, that frequency up, so that always, I believe that always helps, because whenever I wear it, we have, we have alien encounters, so... Whenever you've been uh, but, uh, trying to make contact, have you actually ever seen any of the any of the uh, pilots of these vessels? No, never seen any pilots, but we've had them we've had them do maneuvers for us. I mean, um, loop the loops, uh, shooting from one mountain range to the other, and these mountain ranges are fifty miles apart, and they're doing it in in a thousandth of a second. Boom, boom. Um, I'd like to do a Morse code on my tactical flashlight. I've got a 1500 Luma flashlight that I use. 
and they usually do it back and it's amazing how like they'll do they'll do one flash that's really really bright it'll light up the whole night sky and then they'll do a second one that's like twice as bright as that and then they'll do a third one that's just so damn bright it looks like daytime i mean it's amazing the energy and the light that they can put out you know and, uh, and it's just a quick flash but i mean we did one um up in pine bush new york it's uh, considered the ufo capital in new york state and we had we had done a presentation up there that year and afterwards we were going to the park to do a c5 and we had a german television crew with us from germany and uh there had to be 50 people in the field with us and this thing was doing maneuvers and it was doing flashes that people were just awing and awing. And the German guys were going crazy. They're, sc they're screaming in German, you know, <laughs> like, too bad we'll never get to see it because in G Germany, you know. But, I mean, it was just mind-boggling. That was that Saturday night. Monday morning, the director of the fair, the UFO fair, called me. And she said, what the hell did you guys do Saturday night? And I go, why? She goes, my phone hasn't stopped ringing all goddamn morning. People are going crazy. I said, hey, look, we were at a UFO fair. We we did a CE5. We made, what you know, everybody at this fair, 5,000 people, all had the same intention. You know, it's UFO related. The 50 that came with us, we put it out there in the ether and we made contact and the police chief was there. He's seen it. The camera crew from Germany was there. It was, it was pretty, it was, I was going through chemotherapy at the time. I had cancer. I was going through chemotherapy. So we had been at the fair from like six o'clock in the morning. And this was like 11 o'clock at night. When I tell you I was done, you could have stuck a fork in me. I had, I didn't have one drop of energy left in me, you know? And, when this thing showed up and started doing all the maneuver, I was so amped up that I went to the after party afterwards, you know, <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't go home because I, I couldn't sleep. I went from having zero energy to just bouncing off the wall because the energy it related and, and everybody in that place, that park was just like unbelievable, but I've never seen it. I've, I've seen craft where I've seen windows and I've looked in. I've I've tried to look in. I'm dying to see like somebody looking out, you know. But um, no, I I was I was on the parkway, like eighty five, I think it was. I was driving up from New York to Connecticut. I was living in Connecticut at the time, and I'm driving up the parkway. I was working in New York, living in Connecticut, and I'm driving up the parkway. I just got like a eighty four Mustang, and I'm flying up the parkway and I got the Yankee game on. It was in the middle of the summer and I'm flying up the parkway and I'm coming up this hill and all of a sudden the car starts bucking on me and I'm like, oh man, you got to be kidding me. So I got off the road because I didn't want to get you know rear-ended because everybody's doing 75 miles an hour and I get up on top of this hill and the car dies on the grass and I look down and it the whole parking lot at both sides, uh, the whole parkway is a parking lot. This just cars stopped all over. So I'm looking down. I'm thinking there was a motorcycle accident. I'm like, man, what happened down there? You know, but I seen a state trooper. So I said, let me go down there and tell him I need a tow. So as I'm walking down the hill, the thought of looking up never occurred to me. 
I'm I'm so focused on looking for a you know destroyed motorcycle in all the traffic. So I get to the cop and I was like, "Hey man, what's going on?" And he goes, "Look up." And I look up, and the only way I could describe it is that this thing looked like the Roman Colosseum parked over the parkway. It was as wide as all four lanes and the grass on both sides, and it went up. It looked like it went up a do- two dozen stories and it had the arches, you know, and I looking in those arches thinking those are windows. I'm looking for, you know, uh, uh, aliens and stuff. And underneath it, it was all lit up like a, a stadium at night, only flipped upside down. And I'm looking at this thing and everybody's looking, but no one's running around like a chicken without a head or anything. Everybody's just like in awe. And there was no wind. There was no sound. The trees weren't moving. And it was just 100 feet above the tree line. There was nothing. So I says to the cop, I says, hey, man, what do you think it is, you know? And he looked at me like, are you shitting me, you know? You, you know? And he goes, what do you think? And I go, it looks like a UFO to me, you know? He goes, yeah. I mean, it, this was like a mothership. And it was just parked there and in the air. It's like it pulled up, threw, threw it in park, and it was just observing everybody. And we're sitting there and we're looking at this and we're looking at this and people are all having conversations and it's just like the most unreal thing. It's like surreal. You, the energy that was in the air was weird. It was like an electric kind of energy in the air, you know, like static electricity. And, uh, but it wasn't making any noise. And then the thing bounced up like a thousand feet in a blink of an eye. I mean, this giant thing that looked like the Roman Coliseum jumped up at like a thousand feet in a blink of an eye. And when it did, all the cars started. And the police, car, the police, the cops radio started working. So I'm hanging out around the cop. I'm eavesdropping. And I hear him saying, hey, listen, I'm between these two exits on the parkway. We got a UFO, scramble some jets from the Air National Guard in Bridgeport Airport. So I said, okay, we're scrambling two jets from the Air National Guard. So the Air National Guard get up in the planes, and um, I'm listening to the leader of the the, the, the the pilot, the lead pilot, and he's talking to the cop on the radio, and he's like, look, man, we got nothing on radar, you know, and we can see for miles. We don't see anything either. And the cop is like, believe me, it's it's here, you know. It's, it's like the size of a giant stadium. I don't know how you can't see it. And um, so then uh, the, the lead pilot said, okay, we'll be there in like 30 seconds. He said, we'll be there in like 30 seconds. As soon as he said that, this thing shot straight up into the sky and was just gone. Gone. It was just like it never existed. And when these two planes came roaring down the parkway, I don't know if they were Tomcats or F-16s or what, but they were side by side. And when they came roaring down the parkway, the trees were like bending over, breaking leaves were flying. The ground was shaking. I was never so scared in my life. I thought it was the end of the world. And they drove, they flew by us. They turned around and they flew back, back up north. Um, my brother, who I was living in his house at the time, I was living in his attic apartment, was painting my apartment at the time. 
and he was listening to a radio show coming out of Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the guy on the radio said, hey, we got a we got a report of a UFO. It just came over the sound. It's in Bridgeport. And he went up on the roof of the radio and he's talking about there's a UFO over Bridgeport. It's going north towards the Trumbull Mall. That's where we lived over by the Trumbull Mall. So my brother so was running out of his house grabs his camera, jumps in his truck, and he races to the races to the highest point, was up like some Catholic school up on a hill somewhere, waiting for this thing to go by because he's going to get like the, the, the smoking gun picture, you know? But when it got just about to that point, it turned and went south. So he never seen it. So when he went home, I come busting through the front door and I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe what I said. When he goes, you're not going to believe what I heard on the radio. And he's telling me about what he's listening to on the radio. And I go, Frank, I seen it. It looked like the Roman Coliseum. It was that big. And he's like, get out of here. And I was telling him, he's like, holy crap. He goes, that's amazing. You know, back then we didn't have any cell phones though. So no one got any pictures, you know? And um, that one particular experience I mean, I will never forget for the rest of my life because it was just so massive. I mean, if that wasn't a mothership, then I don't know what is, you know? I mean, if their ship's bigger than that, then, man, we're in trouble, you know? <laughs> Let's say, yeah, just, Im wasn't a just imagine, like, <clears throat> even, like, the possibility of them being different sizes, too. Like, you could have a ship like that, and it could actually be, like, a smaller ship in comparison, and they could just be bigger, way bigger beings. And then, I mean, you see it in, like, crazy sci-fi movies and stuff. You you see these motherships that could potentially be, like, the size of planets, and then you get into theories of even, like, the moon potentially being some form of, like, a mothership or, like, a base, too. I mean, yeah. these things could be coming right from there, and uh, we're looking at this like it's the mothership, but realistically, like, the mothership's right in front of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if the moon is the mothership, yeah, we're in trouble. Absolutely, yeah, no, but, I mean, this thing was really, really big, and, and um, like I said, up until that point, Everything I had ever seen were points of light, you know, dancing in the sky that obviously were not planes or helicopters or anything like that, you know. Um, but that was like one of the first ones that was that was pretty wild. And then, you know, um, I had a I had a 19. Oh, man, what was it? Ninety five. My daughter was just born in 94 and a friend of mine. And I, we were, I was working in North Yonkers and up on the, we were at the both mailman and we were like the last two guys to leave the building that night. And he was a big, uh, alien guy too. You know, actually he felt that he had been abducted and stuff, you know, and we were hanging outside the building. It was late. We were the last two guys to leave. Building was all locked up and it was a pretty cold night, but I mean, temperature wise, it was, the temperature was really cold, but it wasn't cold outside. There was no wind. And we were just leaning up against the cars, BSing. And I seen what looked like a, a point of light, maybe 20 miles away, like towards Manhattan, blinking. Now, hand to God, I didn't think it was anything other than a, a, a star with high altitude clouds going by. And it was given the appearance of making this star blink. But me being me, I'm a ball buster, right? I turned to my friend, I Kyle, I go, Kyle, look at that, man, there's a UFO. And he's like, stop, Al, you know, we're the only two people out here. And I was like, I was like, no, dude, watch this. And he goes, Al, don't do anything crazy. I said, no, no, watch this. And I go to my car and I do a Morse code with my headlights. 
And this thing that I thought was a star makes a beeline towards us. Child starts to freak out, right? And I'm like, dude, calm down, calm down. And it stops across the field about 100 yards or so, maybe 150 yards away from us. And it's just the dead of winter. It's February. There's no leaves on the trees. And there's this giant field in front of us. And we're sitting there looking at it. And it drops out three red balls. One, two, three. And we're watching these red balls float, just float down this, the, out, of this, out of this craft. And when it got to a certain point, it would blink out one, two, three. And we were so locked in to those red balls that we hadn't noticed that the craft had moved. Because we were trying to figure out what the hell we were looking at, you know. At that point, I had never heard of, uh, you know, red balls of coming out of UFOs. And then a little voice in my head said, Al, look up. And when I looked up, the craft was like right above us. I mean, it was, it was a triangle shape. It was blood, uh, gunmetal blue. Right. I mean, if you would have blinked your eye in a night sky, you would have lost it. And it just stood there above us. And Kyle was freaking out. He was trying to get back into the building. I'm trying to stop him. And I said, man, if you go in this building now, the alarm's going to go off and postal records are going to arrest both of us, you know. So I'm trying to stop him because he knew the code to get in because he started earlier than I did. So he had to get he needed the code to get through the door. And uh, I'm trying to stop him, and he's freaking out. And I'm telling you, I could have hit it with a rock. And this thing was nuts and bolts. It was one big, smooth piece of metal, but it was, it looked like metal. You know what I mean? It was like nuts and bolts. And then it just turned like it was on an axis. It didn't move or anything. I mean, it just turned very smoothly and it started to glide away across the field back towards like where it came from. And if you would have blinked, you would have lost it in the night sky. At that point, Kyle jumps in his car. He heads north. I head south. I get home. I run up on the roof of my binoculars because I'm looking for it, you know, and I can't find it. And uh, the next day we get to work and I say, dude, did you make it home? All right. You know, cause God forbid he got abducted. It would have been my fault, you know? And uh, he said, no, no, I made it home. All right. He goes, how about you? I said, yeah, I went up on the roof and looked I couldn't find it with the binoculars, you know? So he says, I said, he goes, man, that was crazy. He goes, you know, cause we were having this discussion, discussion. What is it? Is it, is it a stealth bomber? Is it a stealth fighter? Cause it was this triangle shape. And I'm like, dude, this thing is 50 feet over the building. The building is only 50 feet high. So that means it's only like 30 feet above the trees. And the trees, even though they have no leaves on, the trees are not moving. And it's not making any sound. This is not an aircraft as we know it. You know what I mean? And um, so that was pretty crazy. So then um, we had moved upstate to where I live now. And uh, it was about 10 years later. And my daughter and I were coming home from a martial arts class. We did a daddy-daughter class together. And uh, we're coming home. And again, it was in February. It was cold, but it wasn't cold. And we're, we get in the car. We're leaving the, the dojo. We're heading home. And we're going. And my daughter turns. My daughter says, Dad, 
we have the UFO following us. <laughs> and I start laughing hysterical, right? Like a 10 year old kid is telling me we're being followed by a UFO, you know? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, um, and I said, what makes you think that that light is a UFO? She says, cause as soon as we left the karate school, it started to follow us and, and it hasn't passed us. And I was like, Oh, you know what? We hit a bunch of red lights, train, uh, train tracks, stop signs. If it was an aircraft, it should have gone by us at this point, you know? And I'm trying to convince her that it's just the plane going to the local airport or a helicopter or something like that. But I'm, you know, I know in my head, but all the, all the traffic we hit, this thing should have blew right by us. Anyway, we get up to the, we get up to the, the airport. And at that point, we make a hard right to go north. And this thing makes a hard left to go south. And I say to my daughter, I said, see, it's not a UFO. It's probably a helicopter going down to New York. So she says, okay, we get home in my neighborhood where I live. There are no street lights. There are no sidewalks. When it's dark, it's pitch black. And, you know, and we pull into our driveway and the sensor lights go on on the deck. And she jumps out of the car and she's running up to the front of the house. And I'm messing around with the, all the sparring gear and everything in the trunk, getting all the bags out. And I hear her start screaming like a lunatic, you know? And I, so I, I look up and I go, Amanda, what's the matter? And she says, look, Dad, over the house. And there's this triangle craft parked over my house. Now, this looks exactly like the one I seen 10 years earlier down in Yonkers. And it's just sitting there. And I'm pissed. I'm like, how dare you come to my house? How dare you? So I says to my daughter, go get your mother and your brother. So my wife comes out on the deck, the front deck with my son. And she goes, what's going on? I go, look up. And she looked up and she was like, oh, no, I don't want to deal with this shit, you know? And she ran in the house. And I said, I said, I told her, I said, get my samurai sword. I said, get my mag light get my cell phone and get me the dog. I got a 125 pound German shepherd and I'm sitting and she's putting all this stuff together. This thing floats by me. And I mean, literally just floats by me, makes a hard left at the street and it starts to glide up the street. Now my street again, is like a hundred yards, maybe 150 yards long, but there's no lights on it. And I'm, trying not to blink because I know if I blink, I'll lose where this thing is going. And it gets to the power lines at the end of the block and it drops out three red balls. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm going in those woods, you know? I'm going to find these goddamn red balls. So I grabbed them, samurai sword, the dog, the flashlight, and I went into, I walked into the woods and I'm looking for any broken branches where this thing may have come down. These balls came down. I'm looking for any strange looking rocks, smoldering leaf litter on the ground, anything. And I told her, you call me every 10 minutes. I'm going to walk up and down this power line, both directions, a hundred yards. And we walked up and down that power line and we found absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I was like, so pissed that this thing was over my house, my family. And, and then when it dropped out those three red balls, I was like, no way. This is not the same thing we seen 10 years ago down in Yonkers. I live 60 miles away now, you know, and it tracked me to my house, you know, 
It's crazy. I mean, absolutely. Again, it was just parked over my house. Like it had just, you just pulled into the driveway and threw the car in park and that's it, man. It just threw, it threw itself in park and it was just sitting there. It was, it was, I wouldn't even say it was hovering. It was just parked in the sky. Just crazy. Just crazy. And those two were very, those two are, are like the, like the mothership nuts and bolts. You know what I mean? There's no doubt in my mind. These are nuts and bolts craft, you know? When it comes to those uh, red lights, <clears throat> I almost wonder if there's some kind of like a decoy possibly. Like maybe they're not physically like, like they're, they're not like a solid thing. Maybe they're more like a flare or something along those lines or even kind of getting into like the light spectrum concept of things. Um, I was going to ask you about it a little bit earlier, but uh, it seems like they use certain light uh, frequencies or light spectrums, however you want to word it, and they do certain things to certain people. So I wonder if they were, if that might be like, they're projecting a light down to possibly do something or I don't possibly like kind of push your mind into like a certain way. Cause just from previous people we've talked to, uh, there was somebody that had a room that filled with green light and it was almost like everybody that was in the room besides them was either like frozen or time was moving slower around them. Uh, there was somebody that I was talking to, they got hit by a blue light. And when they did that, they had this like instant thing where they like forgot anything that happened up to that point. Like it like refreshed their memory. So I'm just curious if you've, if you've ever actually had any experience with any of these different lights possibly doing different things. I think those, I think those balls are like drones and they're, they're either mapping out the area or they're looking for certain um, ley lines, quartz crystal veins or something in the earth or whatever. I think they're searching for something there. And, and I think they're searching. I think some are searching for one thing and some are mapping out the area um, for something else. That's what I think. They, I think they're, they're like worker bees and they're out there doing something. I don't, um, again, they all, they looked like those um, plasma balls, you know, those orange and red plasma balls. That's what they look like. Um, so I don't necessarily think that um, it was anything like you were discussing, but we did get hit one time. Um, me and two other my guys were hit by uh, we had a UFO come on an investigation and show up and um, it hit us with a white light. We were sitting and we were had we were walking through the woods. We had our headlamps on. Somebody said something. It made a beeline towards us. And I said, shut the headlamps off. And when we shut the headlamps off, it hit us in, in like a white light. And the whole time this was going on, my, my, my guy, my partner, Brian, is filming. So we got it all on video on our, on our YouTube site. And we're having a long conversation. Um, you know, what is it? It's, and you can hear us like, you know, it's not making any noise. Is it a helicopter? Is it a drone? Is it this? Is it that? There's a, some kind of electrical hum. And when it hit us with the white light, I turned to my cameraman, Bill. I said, time check. And he was like, nine o'clock. Okay. And then at some point, I said to the guys, we just step out of this white light because we don't know what it's doing to us. Is it downloading us or what? But we don't know. We could be harming us. So when we stepped out of that light, we broke that. But that bond we had that with this light, the light shut off. The craft took off and it flew away in the blink of an eye. You know what I mean? And 
during some point during that night, not when we actually got to our second location because it was only 15 minutes away and I did a time check when we got there. So we didn't lose any time at that point. But at some point in the night, we lost two hours of time and we don't remember. And the following day, my partner, Brian, had a small child hand, child size hand imprint on his chest of like a black and blue and he was spitting blue phlegm and he called me and he said he's telling me this he goes anything happened to you and i was like i was very loopy i was loopy for three days and i was like i got a fat lip like something has been implanted under my top lip was hard as a rock but you know that particular night nobody went down nobody got hurt you know and uh so we said we got to call our camera guy bill so we called the camera guy bill and we um we talked to him and uh, he said he had night terrors all night about being abducted. And when he woke up, he had a big knot on his head. Like he got hit in the head with something. So we called our team psychic to ask her what the hell happened. And she said, I don't know what you guys did that night, but the hand that I was talking to you guys on the phone, cause she's in Arkansas, we're in New York. She goes, the hand that was holding the phone, I have a rash from my wrist to my elbow. And I don't know where that came from. So we don't know what happened. And we were, you know, we were going to get regressed. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you know uh, Rosemary Ellen, who Rosemary Ellen Guiley is, but she's a, 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 a researcher, paranormal researcher. She researches, researches everything. And I was really good friends with her. And um, we were talking to Rosemary and I said, Rosemary, um, I want to get regressed before the other guys, because if it's something dark and negative, I don't want those guys to experience it and then have to live with it for the rest of their lives. I felt like I was better. I was better, better mentally to deal with it because my kids were grown the other guy had young kids. The other guy was, he was having night terrors, you know, he's, he's, he's got all kinds of crap happening at his house. So I said, so Rosemary said, okay, um, when I get back from the book tour, she had just finished filming for like the travel channel for that season. She had her own show and then she went on to do a book tour. She said, when I get back from the book tour and I get back to New uh, Connecticut, she lived in Connecticut. She said, I'll give you a call. You come to the house and we'll do a regression and we'll see what happens. And if it's dark, we'll keep it between us. And if it's not dark, then you could tell the other guys and I'll do them as well. So I said, that no, sounds like a great plan. You know, because my brother has been after me my whole life to get regressed. And I always said, no. I'm good. I don't need to know what's going on with me. You know, I know I see a lot of UFOs, but I'm good, you know. But at that point, I, I felt like we needed to know. Unfortunately, by the time Rosemary finished her book tour and got home, she passed away. So we never got, I never got regressed. None of us ever got regressed. But um, there was a point, I think it was a 2012, where I was seeing crafts every single day. Uh, go to work 4.30 in the morning. And there's a craft in the sky. I come home at work, from work, 7 o'clock at night, and there's crafts in the sky. I mean, you name it, I've seen it, and I thought I was losing my mind. And I'm not the type of guy that thinks anytime he sees a light in the sky, it's a UFO. I got to get a vibe. You know, if I get a vibe that says, pay attention to me, I'm important, then I pay attention to it. If I look up and I don't get a vibe, I pay no mind. I just keep going.
So I called my brother and I said, Frank, I think I'm losing my mind, man. I said, I think I'm losing my mind. I'm seeing you. So you got to carry a camera with you. You got to get, you got to document this stuff. Now, yada, yada, yada. I was like, okay. But in the meantime, he had found me a group down in Yonkers where I worked um, called the round table. And, uh, and that's where I actually put my team together from the guys I met from the round table, you know, and uh, I was going there and we were discussing, it, you know, all like-minded people was helping me get rid of all this anxiety by talking about it, you know? And, um, but it was crazy because one night I'm coming home on the parkway and there's a patch of woods that I have to drive through. We call it, my wife and I call it the twilight zone. Because when you start at the bottom of this mountain, it could be a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. When you get about halfway up, it's raining. It's, it's raining. When you get to the top, you're in a, it's snowing. And then it does the same thing coming down the other side. So we jokingly call it the twilight zone. Well, I got to drive through the twilight zone to and from work every single day. And I'm seeing all kinds of craft. I see one time driving home, I seen a whole fleet of UFOs going up the Hudson River. I mean, it was just like 50 of them all going north up the Hudson River. And I was freaking out. And then um, coming down, I would see, I would see them coming down. It was one that I called the red craft. It looked like a football or a blimp. It was all red and it had a red light in the bottom of it. And not only was I seeing it up where I lived, but I started seeing it down where I worked 60 miles away. So my brother said, you got to get a picture of it. So I was carrying this, uh, a digital camera and I seen the red craft over my neighborhood. And I live in a cul-de-sac, but it's a cul-de-sac that goes up a mountain and back down. So I drove to the top of the hill to get a better picture, to get closer to it. I took the camera out to take a picture, and it said the batteries were dead. So I just dropped the batteries. I put fresh batteries in, and it said they were dead. And then the red craft floated away. I went down a hill to my house, and both sets of batteries worked fine. So, I mean, that was the red craft was crazy because it seemed like it was following me for a while. And then another time I'm coming home through the twilight zone and there was an old ski resort on, on the northbound side of the road that has this giant parking lot. It's, it's empty now. It's abandoned and there's nothing there. And I see what looks like a colored sparkler going off in the sky. At first it's shooting like silver sparks out, right? So I said, oh, I'm getting a picture of this. I pulled into the parking lot where the old ski resort was. I get out. I try to take a picture. Batteries are dead. Put new batteries in. They're dead. So I'm not getting a photograph of this, obviously. And I'm looking up at it, and it's shooting silver, and then it's shooting orange, and it's shooting reds and greens and purples. And, I mean, the colors were so pure that... Words don't do it any justice. These colors were so deep and pure. And was I was trying to figure out how the hell I was seeing the blues and the purples against the black ink sky. But I seen them clear as day. They were so beautiful. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this thing and I'm looking at this. And of course, as soon as I pulled in, I did a time check to make sure I didn't lose any time. And um, 
I'm sitting there, I'm looking at this thing and I felt like I was almost being like hypnotized. And uh, then the thought came to me, you know, this is a pretty big parking lot and you're the only car in it. That thing it could probably land in here. You know what I mean? Maybe it's time to, to get out of Dodge. And I jumped in the car and I drove home and I didn't lose any time because the amount of time it took me to get home was right. But um, that was like unbelievable. The colors that that thing was spitting out were just the most unbelievable, most unbelievable colors you've ever seen in your life. Just mind boggling, just mind boggling. Then another time I'm coming home and I seen this thing that looked like an egg beater going across the sky. It was the weirdest looking thing I ever seen. But I got a really, really bad vibe from it. I mean, I got like, this is, this is no good. You know, whatever this is. And it looked like it was zigzagging across this woods. Like it was looking for something. And I happened to be the only idiot on the parkway. It was pretty late <laughs> and it was dark. And I had to go through this, through this, the twilight zone, which is like 10 miles long. You know what I mean? It's not a little, you can't get through it that quick. And I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm like coming down the hill before I start to go up. There's an exit there. And I pulled off the exit and I was sitting on the side of the road. And I'm thinking, do I go through the twilight zone to get home? Or do I take the long way around? Because I had never gotten a bad vibe from any UFO I've ever seen in my life. But this thing just, it had bad, it felt like it had bad intentions. So I took the long way home. I mean, I went all the way around the twilight zone, you know. It took me like an extra half hour to get home, but I wasn't driving. Through. I felt like if I would have drove through that park that night to get home, I would have got abducted. I really did. So I said, uh, you know what? I don't care about the next half hour. I'm not, I'm not driving through this. Cause my vibe, the vibe was just, it was just so powerful, so strong that it was, there was no denying it, you know? So uh, this twilight zone area that you've mentioned a couple times, do you think it's possible that there's some sort of portal or some type of energy or something like that in that area? Yes. Um, this is this is crazy. In this particular area, there are these ancient stone chambers that nobody knows who made. These things are made with thousands of pounds. These stones are tons. Each each stone is like a couple of tons. So don't tell me it's a root cellar that the farmers made because I'm calling bullshit on that because they built their houses out of wood. Why would they build the root cellars out of giant stones, number one? Number two, a root cellar is below ground, not above ground, right? So you have these ancient stone chambers in this thing. There are Bigfoot spotted there. There are dogmen spotted in these woods. There are UFO, UFO spotted coming in and out of the lake, the mountain lakes. Um, when we did our, for my partner and I, Brian, when we did our um, show for the Travel Channel, it's called the uh, Alien Invasion of the Hudson Valley. They wanted to go to a different location to film. And I said, no, we have to go to the Twilight Zone. And they were like, no, 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 we want to go here. And I'm like, no, you guys are from California. This is New York. I'm telling you, I'm boots on the ground. I know where we got to go. Convinced them to go to the Twilight Zone. So we were at the, one of the lakes, and there's a lot of lakes uh, there. And 
Not only did we get a mothership to come down that night, but we got a, a smaller craft. And then I think the smaller craft sent out a drone because something buzzed us. You know what I mean? So we got all kinds of footage of UFOs that night, you know, and I uh, was filming with, um, what was his name? Uh, ben Hansen, right? The tall the FBI guy. I don't know if you know who Ben Hansen is, but I was filming with Ben Hansen and he, he's a big UFO guy. And he was filming to, uh, uh, through a night vision lens on his phone and like military grade lenses, you know, and his wife called him while he's filming and he's like, can't talk to you right now. We're filming a UFO. Bye. <laughs> and he hung up on her. And I thought it was the most hysterical thing because this guy is an ex FBI guy. He's been doing this forever. He's done all kinds of, he's got all kinds of shows on the travel channel about UFOs. So he's, he's a um, very, um, what you would call it, been doing it for a long time, a lot of experience. And he was giddy as a school kid. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he was just so, I mean, and the other researcher that was there with us and it was a science guy that was there, this guy, Mark D'Antonio and Mark's a good friend of mine. And he's got like super secret clearance from the, the Navy. He's got Navy intelligence clearance and, um, and, uh, what's her name? Melissa Tittle. She, she was another, uh, 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 like reporter, investigative reporter. She was there. And, um, these people couldn't believe that we were, we were able to bring not only one craft in, but three, they were like, wow, you guys, you guys are good. You know, I was like, well, we have our techniques that we use to bring these things in. And when you're in a location like this, and, and another thing about this location, I also believe that there's tons of quartz crystal veins that run through the mountains i also believe there are tons of aquifers that run through the, underneath the mountain and which really sealed the deal for me was not only are these stone chambers built along this these particular woods but at the end there is a giant um buddhist monk and right next to the buddhist monk is a catholic uh uh monastery there's a reason why everybody built on this line you know what i mean that's not an accident some these people they know the secrets of the universe and they built there on purpose you know and uh we investigated both too we went up to the monastery and the monk and the the buddhist monk to, to investigate because it's all on a straight line it's on a straight line and i'm saying man not only are there ley lines here, there's all kinds of stuff here. Just all of these chambers are built here and these monasteries and this uh, temple is built here. This doesn't happen by accident. You know what I mean? They could yeah. have built those monasteries in that temple anywhere. They built them right there, you know? Yeah, that's kind of a theory I've been kicking around on the show and me and Shane and Jenny have talked about with other guests is this idea that, you know, a lot of times some paranormal things happen People who aren't really deeply involved, they're like, oh, it's Indian burial grounds or something like that. And kind of my theory, idea, what have you, is I wonder if these ancient peoples and these ancient civilizations built their temples and their burial grounds and whatnot in these areas that strange things were already happening. So uh, it's a chicken and the egg type situation. You know, I think these places are where they're at because strange things are already happening not strange things are happening because burial grounds are in these places. No, I agree with that 100%. Absolutely. I, I believe the Native Americans 
built where these portals were because they've seen entities come and go from them. And they just thought that when they, their uh, ancestors crossed over to the other side, it would be easier for them to get to you know, the great creator or wherever they're, you know, where they were planning on going. But, um, yeah, no, I absolutely agree a hundred percent, 100% with that. Cool. Well, uh, kind of segueing a little bit, you seem like the perfect guest to ask this question. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of this idea that there's some sort of connection between UFOs and orbs and anomalous lights and then like cryptid specifically Bigfoot type sightings? Because, you know, to see, a Bigfoot or to see a UFO, those are both like pretty rare instances, but it seems like there's a lot of reports of people seeing both of these things either in very similar geographical regions or very similar time frames. So uh, do you have any thoughts on that you'd be willing to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe it's, I don't believe I, the, the Bigfoots are, are piloting the UFOs. You know what I mean? I think it's a case of, you're at a place of high strangeness, which there may be a portal there, and everybody is using that portal to come into our realm. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see balls of light and you see cryptids coming in and on all of this stuff at the same location, because these locations have, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we say high strangeness is really high energy places would that um have uh, natural portals that these these entities and these beings use to come in, onto our realm and that's 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 I think it's as simple as that that's what it is i also kind of wonder if uh kind of looking at it from a different perspective you hear more often than not that it seems like uh aliens are trying to almost like help us sometimes like you know they try to shut down the nuclear stuff people will say that they'll come back and have like ailments fixed so if there are like thinner spots where other things are able to con like come into this reality, I almost wonder if their intention on them is to almost like correct it and put it back. And that's why you always see like UFO with like Sasquatch and things like that is because, I mean, first of all, as humans, like we're very interested in that because it's a strange phenomenon. So if there's something else that's also kind of foreign and weird to this reality, you know, of course, the extraterrestrials are going to be just as interested or on the flip side of the coin of it, uh, they know full well what they are, where they're coming from. And the intention is to try to help or correct this reality. So they try to grab them and put them back where they belong because they're coming out of like a doorway that they can't theoretically close. Yeah. I don't know if I, I agree with that. You know, I mean, that's, 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 that's your opinion and you're more, you're welcome to it. You know what I mean? But I, I don't think it's that it's that, I mean, it, I look, they're not here to, they're not here to harm us. Obviously if they've been here forever, so if they wanted to harm us, they could have wiped us out when we're walking around with, uh, you know, clubs, you know what I mean? They're not going to wait till we get nuclear, you know, weapons. And I mean, I believe that all these weapons that the government has created over the years, like these sound weapons and these uh, the energy weapons and stuff like that are all not to kill us. They can kill us with a stick. You know what I mean? It's to fight alien, kind of alien invasion or different entities that may be hostile to us. And, you know, other entities are giving us like, hey, this is how you 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 fight these guys with sound. You fight these guys with, with light, you know, energy, energy being uh, weapons. I don't think the energy weapons are necessarily meant for us. But um, 
I don't think they're here to kill us. If that was the case, we would have been gone a long time ago. I think there are different factions and some, everybody has their reason for being here, whether it's mining our, our minerals or, you know, guiding us along it, it, to advance us, you know what I mean? Higher consciousness, raising our consciousness. But I also think there are ones here that are just, you know, like, hey, those guys taste good, you know? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's eat them, you know? Um, so I think it's a combination of everything. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily they're coming through the, to close the doorways. I think they, they know those doorways have been there since the beginning of time. And they're, and they're just using them to come through to our realm and, uh, and go back and forth to wherever they come from. And I don't think not only and I think like not only the extraterrestrials are using them, and, but the interdimensionals are using them, too. They all know where these portals are. And if they're coming in our realm to do whatever they want to do, if the Bigfoot and the Dogmen are just coming here to hunt because there's so much food available to them, you know what I mean? They're, everybody's coming through the same realm. Like, well, I've seen the Bigfoot and the Dogmen in the same area, so they must be friends. Not necessarily. They're just coming through because this is a good hunting area and there's, and there's, a, there's a portal here for them to come to, into our realm. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just one man's opinion, you know? I mean, even on another view of it, too, it seems like my mind always tends to go to they're almost like observing nature the same way that we would observe like animals in nature and coming from the animal's perspective to like what the what we're doing to them. It almost looks like that like, it's a misunderstanding. And, you know, when we're trying to like tag things to try to be able to learn more about them, um, it kind of transitions the same for humans that we don't understand what their intentions are. So we're just being grabbed, having something put in us, not realizing that it may be intentionally just to be able to track us and kind of see how things interact with each other. And then even the flip side goes for like dogmen, Sasquatch, things like that. You know, if we see two animals fighting in nature, of course, or interacting in a different way, you know, we're going to observe it and kind of see what happens. So, I mean, they could potentially follow Sasquatch that, that are, you know, that they find uh, hoping that they might, come across the path of a human just to kind of do like a social experiment and just kind of see like how they interact, how things interchange. And then even kind of going further into that, it seems like uh, they're always seem to be interested in a specific family. So going back to the observing part, I think that there's like something special with the DNA, almost like how we would observe like an animal in nature that's like melanistic or albino, just to kind of see where the family line goes. They might intentionally be kind of doing the same thing where maybe if somebody's vibration is you know, a little bit higher than the average person's. They kind of keep an eye on that family to kind of see what they may potentially be capable of down the line, or even just like for the sake of like illness or something. If somebody has some kind of weird immunity or like the family does in general where they don't seem to get sick very often, um, or maybe they have like a weird ailment that's a really weird, rare ailment that a lot, a lot of people get, they know that there's something a little bit different with their genetics. So they're observing it just to kind of figure out what's going on with it. And it all comes back to this almost like a science experiment or like a social experiment, just kind of watching how nature interacts with each other. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're definitely their Petri dish. Absolutely. They've been, they've been messing with DNA, our DNA and every, every creature on this planet's DNA and probably creatures from different dimensions as well. You know what I mean? There's no doubt in my mind they're, they're, they're abducting. They're not just abducting us. They're abducting everything and they're, and they're messing with everybody's DNA sequences and genomes and everything else. And like, 
I, you know, when I did that shoot for the travel channel, they took my blood at the end of the shoot, you know, and it turned out that I had RH negative blood, you know, and uh, they're like, oh, it's in your DNA, you know, and everybody was like, God, I was like, yeah, I'm alien. But it's funny because when my daughter was young, I swear to God, for the first 12 years, she never got sick. And I used to tell her all the time, you're an alien, that's why, you know, <laughs> that's why you never get sick, you're immune to these diseases on this planet. But um, when we had our abduction experience, my family, you know, like my last name, Sinarig in Italian means holy line, okay? And our family lineage goes back to ancient Rome, where an original family name of Rome. Okay, whatever for whatever that means. So when we were doing, uh, we we there was a there was a time where um, I had a terrible headache. I couldn't I couldn't I had to wear dark sunglasses. Right, I don't know what happened to me. All of a sudden, one day I woke up with this horrible headache, and the doctors couldn't figure it out. They tried everything to, to take care of it for me. And they were getting ready to do a spinal tap on me because they just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And before they went to do the spinal tap, I had taken my kids to a Indian powwow and we're going to the powwow. And my son was small. He was in the, like a, a carriage. My daughter was walking next to me. And as we were walking into the main, uh, where all the boots are, where they're selling all the jewelry and everything. This old Indian guy comes out of, uh, from behind a curtain and he says, um, you have something dark attached to you. Your aura is dark. He goes, if you want, I can cleanse it for you. So I looked at my wife and I was like, oh, how much is this going to cost me? Right. You know? And he goes, no, no, I won't charge anything, but I can, I can get that off of you. And at this point, I'm thinking, well, if this is what's giving me the headache, if he can get it off, it's not going to cost me anything. Maybe we'll get a, I'll get a little peyote out of the deal, you know, we'll <laughs> do a little tripping or something, you know. So I go into this booth or this, this room, and he starts dancing around with the sage. And he's got another guy in the background banging on a drum. And he's dancing and dancing. And the room... Got so there was so much smoke in the room. It looked like the room was on fire. I felt like I was having an out of body experience. Like I, I couldn't even see him anymore dancing around. I could just hear him. In the meantime, you still hear the back the guy in the back banging on the tom tom, and it was a weird experience, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like tripping, and then he opens up to all the windows, and all smoke clears out, and he says, "Okay, you're you're." Um, I, you know, you're, you're, you're better now. You don't need it. And he goes digging through some drawer and I can hear him moving stones around and he puts a stone in one of those little leather pouches. And he says, wear this stone around your neck and it'll protect you from whatever, you know, try to attach itself to you. And, but you're good now. Okay. I come out of that. I come out of that booth, man, the headache is gone. I feel like a million dollars. So we go, we enjoy the rest of the festivities that day. And it's a good thing. And he says to me before I leave, he says, whatever you do, don't take the stone out of the pouch and whatever you don't touch it because it'll lose its protection powers. Okay. Well, that particular, that was in late September. Halloween, we go out trick-or-treating with the kids. And um, I have a 125-pound German Shepherd. We go trick-or-treating. My daughter 
is dressed as Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. My son is like a pirate or a cowboy or something. I don't remember. And we, we, we come home and it's cold night out and the heat is pumping. Right. And I'm sweating bullets. And I'm like, oh, man, this thing feels like a, it's choking me, this, this uh, necklace. So I take it off and I put it on the dresser next to the bed. And I, I thought I was having like a dream or an outer body experience. I'm up on top of my headboard, looking down at my, myself on the bed, sleeping. There's a bright light coming through the window in the backyard. It looks like this is the biggest spotlight you've ever seen. And I'm looking, and there's two tall gray aliens in the room. And it looks like they're getting ready to lift me up out of bed and start to move me towards the windows. And I'm thinking, first of all, I'm thinking, why isn't the dog tearing these things a new asshole? I spent a ton of money getting them canine trained, you know? And then I'm thinking, well, how the hell are they going to get me out the window? The windows are closed. It's freezing outside. And as they're doing, as they're, and I'm sitting on, I'm sitting on the headboard looking at this, I'm watching this, you know, and as they're doing this, all of a sudden in the next room, my daughter is screaming bloody murder and I'm back in my body and the dog jumps up and he makes a beeline to the kid's room. My wife goes in the kid's room. I go in the kid's room and my daughter is wrapped around my son's legs and his bed holding him down. And, she, and my son is crying hysterical. He has no idea what's going on. And I go to her, I go, Amanda, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she said, said, Dad, a bright light came through the window. And then Dorothy came in the room and told me, don't worry. I'm just taking your brother to the light, but I'll bring him back when I'm done. And my <laughs> daughter says, no, you're not taking my, you're not taking my brother. You know, she's fighting with Dorothy. And I'm, to me, it's not making any sense. I said, why is Dorothy, you know, taking my son when, you know, Dorothy was good. It was the Wicked Witch of the West that was no good, you know? And it was just so surreal the whole night. Put the kids back in bed, put the dog in between both of their beds. We went to bed. The next morning I woke up and I says to my wife, did that really happen last night? And she's like, yeah, it really happened. Now the kids can't get down fast enough to get to the candy, you know, downstairs. So they're racing downstairs. The dog is racing down with him because he's a big kid too. And my wife goes downstairs and I'm just sitting on the bed thinking about all the shit that happened. She doesn't know what happened to me because I didn't tell her because I thought it was a dream. But once my daughter started screaming, it kind of validated what was happening to me. They didn't show me themselves as anything other than what they were. But they gave her a false memory image. So they didn't want to scare her. So they showed themselves to her as Dorothy because she was Dorothy that night. So then I remembered the necklace. And I said, oh, shit, I took this necklace off last night, you know. So I open up the necklace and I pour it out. On, I pour the stone out on, on the bed. And when I pick up the stone, I look at it. It's, an, it's a stone in the shape of an elongated head with two eyes, a nose, and a mouth on it. It's got like a face. And it looks like an alien head. If you ever seen those skulls from like Caracas, mm -hmm. that's what it looks like. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So I took a bunch of pictures of it and I sent it to my brother. I says, what does this look like to you? Just just humor me, you know? This looks like an alien head to me. It's, it's got an all, all elongated head. 
So, I mean, that kind of validated that not only were they after me, but they were after my son as well. You know, and again, is it the bloodline? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm nobody special. You know, I'm a regular guy. That's all I am, you know. But um, it was just crazy. And then a few years went by and my daughter was a teeny bopper. So she took over our room. My son stayed in his room. And we moved downstairs to the spare bedroom. And I'm laying in bed one night. Again, I got the dog laying at the foot of the bed, 125 pounds. I'm laying in bed. And like three o'clock in the morning, I just wake up. Like, boom, it just pop up. And I'm awake. And I see a light coming through the window. But we got the curtains and the shades and everything else. I don't know how the light is coming in this room. It's so bright. It's going right through all of the blinds and everything. And there at the end of the bed are two small gray aliens. And they're, you know, half the size of the guys I've seen upstairs, but they're gray aliens just the same. And they're going like this over my legs. At that point, I was just about ready to get two total knee replacements, okay? I needed to get them both replaced because my legs were in bad shape. I was ready to cut, them, cut my legs off with a chainsaw. I was in so much pain. And I said, oh, wow, this is cool. Maybe they're going to fix my legs. I don't have to go for the surgery. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing, right? And as I'm sitting there, I'm not paralyzed. I don't feel like I'm paralyzed or anything, but I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, I wonder if they could hear my thoughts. And I look at them when I say, when I think this, and they're just doing this ooh over my legs, you know? And I was like, well, maybe they can hear my thoughts. And then one of them, they never looked at me up to my face. They always looked down at my legs. And no matter what I was thinking in my head, they never acknowledged they could hear what I was thinking. One of them starts moving closer to, towards my left arm. And he's getting closer and he's getting closer. And he's a little guy, skinny guy, doesn't look like, you know, there's much to him. And the thought comes to my head, a pretty big guy. I wonder if I grab this dude by the neck if he can make me let him go. And as soon as that thought popped into my head, they both went, ooh, like this, and popped out, and they were gone. <laughs> and I got up, and I walked outside. I put the lights on in the backyard to see if there was any, anything, in the, any crafts in the yard or anything, but there was nothing there. And I was like, I would have thought that was a dream as well, but the other one upstairs kind of convinced me that we were being visited, you know? And um, like I said, I've seen triangles i've seen saucers i've seen uh, what they call stadium lights one time i was coming home on the parkway and they were building a strip mall off the side of the parkway and the the, the buildings were up but there weren't anybody in the buildings yet and i'm coming down the park and it's raining cats and dogs and as i'm coming down the hill i look over to the strip mall and there's a v-shaped ufo over the strip mall with a light coming down. Looked like a, a funnel of light coming down. And I'm thinking, there's other cars on the parkway. I'm thinking, I can't be the only guy seeing this thing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, this thing is huge. It's got all kinds of lights on. You can see it. So I said, I got to turn around. I got to go check this out. So I turn around at the next exit and I go back to the strip mall and as I'm getting closer and closer to the exit, I'm getting a really, really bad vibe. Like, 
man, I don't know if I should be doing this. This I'm getting a bad vibe. Maybe I shouldn't go in there. As I'm saying this in my head, I'm continuing to go to the location. I get to the location, and this craft is up in the air. It's raining cats and dogs, and the light is coming down, and there's fog all over the parking lot of the strip mall. And I was like, man, I got to go out and see what that thing. I thought it was sucking up the electricity from the 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 banks, the electrical banks for the mall, the strip mall. That's what I thought it was doing. I thought it was siphoning the electricity. And I said, I got to go over and take a look. And as I opened the door, I got the most eeriest vibe, like something said, "Don't go outside. You put your life in danger if you go outside." But at the same time, I'm being pulled towards this light. I got to go. So I step out of the car and I look around and I can't see Jack underneath that fog. The fog is so thick, I can't see it. And the dog comes to mind. If there's something down here and it's underneath this fog, I'll never see it coming, you know? And then the dog came to my mind. Well, you know, you're standing. Yeah, you got the door open. And you're standing with the door in front of you. But it could grab you by your ankles and yank you down and drag you out, you know, from under the door. So I said, let me get back in the car. So I got back in the car and I drove away and I called my brother and I told him about it. He said, you got to go back. You got to go back and you got to take photographs. So I said, okay. So I went back. That was like on a Thursday night or something. Like that. I go back Sunday on my day off and I go to the strip mall and I climb up on like this um, high uh, bank, like uh, electrical bank, a, me uh, uh, a metal cage. And I go up on it and I'm standing up high and I'm taking pictures of the area. And I noticed that it had a catch basin where all the water from the parking lot would run into so that the parking lot wouldn't flood. I also noticed that there's a creek running in front of the, underneath the parking lot that's flowing so hard from the rain on Thursday that you could surf down this creek, okay? But the catch basin is so dry that the ground was cracking. So whatever this light was, it was sucking up the water from the catch basin. And it sucked it up so much that it dried the basin out so the dirt cracked. But from the vantage point where I was at, when I took the photograph of it and I developed it, I could see yellow, all the grass around the catch basin was dead. It was all yellow, like it was burnt up. I sent them to my brother because he was part of MUFON at the time. And I sent them to my brother and he was like, man, that, he goes, whatever that thing was, that light was powerful because all the grass is burnt up and the, and the catch basin is bone dry. And I took pictures of the creek running in front of the catch basin and the water was like white rafted water coming down it, you know? Like, how could that water be so, running so hard down the creek and this giant catch basin that took all the water from this parking lot be bone dry so much so that the dirt is cracking? It was crazy. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. And again, that craft was nuts and bolts. There's no doubt in my mind it was nuts and bolts. And it had windows. And I looked. I looked up in the windows to see if I could see anybody looking out. I've never seen anybody looking out. Another time, coming home on the parkway. And it was a couple of, there was a gas station that had been closed. 
um, closed down. And uh, as I'm coming, I'm like an exit from my house, maybe an eighth of a mile, quarter of a mile from my house. And I'm flying down the parkway in my car and my car starts sputtering. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I, I can't even make it to the exit to get off, you know? And I pull into this uh, parking lot where the gas station is. I pull in and the car dies. And I'm like, oh, man, I, you know, now I got to call a state trooper to get me towed off the parkway and yada, 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 and all this crap. And a little voice in my head says, look up. And I look up to my left. And above the gas station is this thing that looks like Ezekiel's wheel from the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. It looks just like Ezekiel's wheel. It's all lit up. Again, it has like these windows. I'm looking in to see if I could see anybody looking out. It's so close to me that I could hit it with a rock. There's no doubt I could hit this thing with a rock. In my mind, I could hit it with a rock. And again, this is nuts and bolts. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I wonder if this thing killed my car. Because now I'm flashing back to when I was in Connecticut, you know, and that happened with the Mustang. And so I go get the camera out of the car because I got the camera in the car. And of course, the camera doesn't work. None of the batteries work. And they never work when the craft is in front of me. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm just staring at it. And it's looking at me. And if it wanted to take me, that was the time to take me because there was nobody around. It's just me and this thing. And this thing was low. I mean, the top of the building maybe was 30 feet high. And this was, you know, another 10 feet above the building, 40 feet away, you know. And it was just sitting there watching me. And I was sitting there watching it. And then, boom, blink of an eye, it was gone. And it was parked. And it was the weird thing about this one. It was parked like on a 45 degree angle. It wasn't straight. It wasn't horizontal. It was on a 45 degree angle. And I found that so interesting that it could park itself on a 45 degree angle, you know, and not vertically or horizontal, you know, and then it just took off. Boom, it was gone. And as soon as it took off, my car started right back up and I got on. I said, well, this is. This was meant to happen. You know, this is why my car broke down so I could see this. What it meant, I don't know. But again, nuts and bolts. There's no doubt about it in my mind that was nuts and bolts. It kind of makes you wonder about the possible mechanics of the thing, too, that, you know, like any ship that we fly, unless we're doing some type of like evasive maneuver where you got the G-force and it pushes everything down, like you can't just sit on an angle because everything will start to shift. Like... What's yeah. going on inside of the ship? What kind of advanced technology do they have where they can have a ship sit on an angle like that and have not nothing that's internally in the ship be affected by it? You know, because th there's assumably beings in there, unless it's some it's remote controlled somehow. Which I mean, you could also kind of bring or in that there's, factor. Or there's but. no gravity in the ship either. You know what I mean? Yeah. If there's no, if it's an anti gravity kind of propulsion system and it's creating no gravity in the ship, then that wouldn't affect anybody. You know. And being pulled down or whatever. I mean, it's kind of like a reverse of humans to an extent because with us, you know, if you spend too much time out in space, you start uh, developing issues with your heart, with your blood, because it's not able to be like pushed down and actually be able to, you know, circulate properly. So like extraterrestrials, I mean, they could intentionally need like zero gravity and maybe that's how their bodies function. So it's almost like the reverse technology of what yeah. a human would need because we'd need gravity. Well, they might need no gravity. If you think about it, there there isn't any gravity in space. And if you think about it, there isn't any gravity on the water either. So, 
you know, for them to have underwater bases just makes sense. It's like being up in outer space, mm-hmm. you know? So. And I mean, even when you start getting into stuff like that too, it kind of makes you wonder like weird, weird evolved to uh, exist in the reality that we exist in. So if they're vibrating in a whole different frequency, um, a whole other vibration, whatever you want to call it, um, it kind of makes you wonder what the like dynamics of like their reality could theoretically be, where maybe they're just kind of like projecting into our reality, but they've developed a totally different way where uh, like they don't have the same like laws of physics as like we would or how we understand it at least, or like what's needed for us to be able to exist. I, I agree. I, I've been screaming about that for years. I'm saying our physics do not apply to extraterrestrials. They, you know, just you know, our law of physics, what we what works down here doesn't work for them up there. And now maybe um, quantum physics is closer to their kind of physics. I'm not sure, but I've been screaming about that for years. And there's no way they can do what they can do and still have our laws of physics uh, uh, apply to them. It just can't. I mean, we're looking at it like we fully understand like our reality and like the dynamics of how it works. But, you know, we could back a couple hundred years ago, you had like uh, a Newton that was talking about like how gravity worked and everybody else had like a totally different method and line of thinking. We could be essentially in that where we think we have an understanding of how you know, quantum physics work, but we understand nothing. We're still way off in the woo-woo territory and they have a full understanding of it. And we think we're starting to understand it, but we're still in the area of like how Newton would be where, you know, when somebody comes at you with how it actually works, everybody thinks they're crazy and, you know, throws them off to the side for it because mainstream science is already pushing you to think this specific way about it. Yeah, you know, we're in our infancy when it comes to stuff like that, you know what I mean? It's just think about how they travel through space and time. And I know time doesn't exist in space. It's a man-made construct. But just to think how they get from point A to point B in a blink of an eye, I mean, there's no way that the laws of, of gravity, uh, the physics that we know here, would work up there. You know what I mean? It's just, it just doesn't. We're, we're, we're just newborns you know compared to them they've been around for millions and millions of years and they've uh they're so far advanced than we are it's just mind-boggling i mean i was kind of getting into this theory about this the other day where you know you have these spots of high strangeness and the reason for that could be that maybe there's some type of like microscopic wormhole where assumably like wormholes are able to contort reality as things go through it. So maybe a lot of these things are actually using almost like a, like a network of connecting like black holes that are microscopic, where once you go inside of them, you're able to transverse like the reality because you're almost like outside of reality. And then once you come back in, that's when you have all these like high strangeness things that'll happen, um, possibly different like changes to the weather, uh, different light bursts, um, even possibly, you know, if you come through the hole, you might even pull other things with it. And that's where we're starting to get this other phenomenon is that you know these other things from other realities aren't intentionally coming into this reality it's more so that there's almost like a big wind as something's going through these wormholes and they almost get caught up and yeah, sucked it's in like, with it's it. like a, a vacuum effect absolutely i agree with you 100 absolutely yeah no i agree i do i do i agree with you absolutely and i think there are things that get sucked in like vacuums that vacuums uh feel or whatever gets sucked in that comes through sometimes that it's not meant to come through you know maybe they're not um advanced enough to find those portals or those um wormholes 
to, to make it through themselves, but sometimes they get sucked through with something else. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it could even go I, with I, us I with like that. time slips with humans too. Either one, maybe somebody is walking into a microscopic wormhole and not even realizing it, then all of a sudden they're in like another reality or they went through a time slip. Or the reverse of it is maybe there was a UFO that was hap- that was flying nearby in the spot that may have been using these like black hole networks and whatever happens to be around might get pulled back into the reverse as the black hole closes or the wormhole closes and that's where you get like time slips with people too. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that a lot of the people who go missing in the four one one books, I think a lot of them just um, walk into uh, portals or wormholes, whatever, and end up in different dimensions, and that's why they never find anything. You know, uh, no clothes, no no nothing. They just disappear off the face of the earth like they never existed. And I think sometimes something may be uh, you may be walking past one of these invisible portals and something reaches out and grabs you and pulls you in and you're just gone and that's it i mean even in a reverse of it too we're talking about sound and frequency um you know somebody the way to activate them could potentially could be through that so maybe some of these people that are having these time slip phenomenons maybe they're like humming or they're like whistling or they're doing something as it happens and they just happen to hit that right frequency and then boom the door opens Yes, and I agree. I believe frequency, it's frequency that opens them up. Absolutely. It's the frequencies that open these things up. And I, and it could be as simple as someone whistling like uh, while they're walking through the woods and that, that frequent, they hit the right pitch, the right frequency, something opens up. They're walking straight because to them it just looks like the woods that they're in. They walk through it and now they're in a different you know different dimension or a different timeline same woods different timeline you know what i mean it's just it's just gone it's just yeah no i agree i agree 100 percent. and isn't there um i've like heard in different folklores and ancient legends that people had stories about you know don't whistle in the woods because of like calling the fairies and things like that so i wonder if you know all of these ancient stories are rooted in these wormholes or portal type idea and you know it's only the names that have changed it's been the same thing going on forever it's just what human beings have chosen to call this phenomena yeah and i also believe that uh, this planet is um older than they say and i believe there were civilizations here that were a zillion times more advanced than what we're living in today and all of that technology was lost in some kind of cataclysm event and we had to start back from the beginning from scratch you know what i mean i truly believe that man is much older than what science says we are i mean even connecting into the extraterrestrials maybe their big fascination with this planet is the fact that maybe they were the previous inhabitants and before there was a great cataclysm that was about to happen they left the planet kind of observed for a while and then once life started reforming on it of course they had an interest in it because it was you know where they used to live and they wanted to see how things progressed through time like maybe each stage of these different extraterrestrials that we experience could potentially be different inhabitants that have been here in between each great cataclysm and it's almost like a test of humanity to see if you're able to get off the planet before the next one happens because assumably like it's just a matter of time before it happens again and maybe life evolves a different way each time because the ecosystem of the world changes as all these different events happen so of course you're going to evolve different ways and have different species absolutely i agree yeah no i i think that's a tremendous theory absolutely yeah 
You're not going to get any arguments from me on that. That's for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. So, um, so you guys got any more questions? Jenny's been real talkative tonight. I know. I was like, I haven't said one thing this entire episode. I'm just kind of taking it all in. No, this has been awesome. Like, you've been, no, you've been incredible. So, thank you for coming on. Hey, no problem. Absolutely. I was really eat up with the whole crystal thing. So, just going back to that, the, the crystal skull type thing. So, you think that the guy did that on purpose? Put it in. Yes, I think, you know, oh, so. What I, what I forgot to mention in that story was um, the following year, I went back to that same powwow, okay? Because I wanted to meet the shaman who gave me that stone because to me, it looked like it was a sandstone. I don't know. I'm not a gemologist. I don't know anything about stones, but it looked like a sandstone to me. So I went back and when I got there, I went to the same location where it was the year before and I started asking around for the shaman. Everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. So I run across the promoter of the of the event. And I was like, where's the old you know shaman that was here last year? And he goes, what are you talking about? I go, there was an old shaman here last year. You know, he did a ceremony on me. And he goes, Look, first, he goes, first of all, he goes, like, stop. He goes, first of all, you know, the Native Americans in the Northeast, we don't have shamans. We have medicine men. That's number one. He says, number two, None of our medicine men are up here with all the people selling, you know, hardware, jewelry and stuff like that. They're all in the teepees at the back of the tent with the elders. They're not up front. So if you're looking for a a shot, he goes, a medicine man, go back there. So I went to the back and I talked to the elders and I asked them if I could, you know, you know, meet with the, with the medicine men that were there. Cause there was, I think there was like three or four different tribes. So each one had their own medicine man. And I said, you know, I was here and I, I told them the whole story and they just looked at me and they shook their heads like, we don't know what the hell you're talking about. Mm. So then I showed them the stone. I said, I think this is a sandstone. And one of them looked at it and said, this is not a sandstone. He goes, first of all, shaman come from South America or the Far East, he says. North America, we don't use shamans. We use medicine men. That was the first thing they set me straight on. The second thing he said is, this is a tiger's eye, and this comes from the Far East. He says, we, in our, in the, in the Native Americans of North America, we don't use tiger eye stones for anything. It's not one of our stones we're using. And he went on to tell me all the different stones they do use, but tiger eye is not one of their stones. He goes, so I don't know who gave this to you, and I don't know where they got it from. And I just walked away from there thinking, was I dealing with another alien race that yeah. day yeah. and somebody who was looking to take care of me um, before I got the, the spinal tap, maybe they would have found something in the spinal tap. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, but I, I walked away from that, that second, that second powwow just shaking my head. Like <laughs> then who the hell took that dark thing off of me? You know, because ever since that happened, I've never had that problem ever again. You know, I never had those headaches. I never where I couldn't see. I had to wear dark sunglasses. Even inside, I had to wear dark sunglasses. My eyes were so sensitive. It was, you know, I probably should have took a good look at my eyes to see if they were like reptilian or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I was just always in pain. But uh, it was, yeah, and it was crazy because I couldn't believe like with these 
this elders and the, and his and his medicine men were telling me, you know, it's like, then who the hell did that ceremony yeah, on the that's election? Super cool. I was like, I, I feel like I didn't get all of that story. Like, what 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 was the stone and where did it come from? And no, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I could hear him going through the drawers, like moving stones around. I couldn't see him because of the smoke, you know. But I could hear like stones being moved around, like somebody looking for a specific stone in a drawer, you know, like all loose stones. And then he put it in a, a little yellow a leather pouch and he said, you know, wear this and, and you'll be good. And I, and I did and I never had any issues anymore, you know. And I still have that stone today in that same pouch. That's awesome. <laughs> but, so it's almost uh, like uh, with that particular stone that he gave you, maybe he was giving you the answer. It, you know, this is what happened. This is what you were dealing with, perhaps. Oh, yeah. I, uh, you know, definitely think that that whoever that entity was he was definitely alien i think it was an alien entity maybe not from the same people who are giving me the headaches maybe a dis a different race of aliens and this one was trying to correct what the other ones were did to me or whatever i don't know i honestly don't know but i mean I was blown away because, you know, I was expecting to run into that same guy again and have a long conversation with him, you know, and uh, nope, didn't exist. It wasn't there. Ne According to the promoter, he, they, that guy never existed there. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that's my life. It's like one one crazy thing after yeah. another, you I know. I tell people this, and they, they call bullshit <laughs> on me because they can't believe it all, you know. And I was like, dude, look, you don't have to believe it. I could care less if you believe it or not. I'm just telling you. You ask me what, what's going on, I'm telling you, you know. They just don't leave you alone. So uh, I do have one more question. So sure. At some point, did this, like, stop, or is this still happening to you? No, um, after I still see UFOs. I do mm -hmm. still see UFOs. I've seen a couple of weird ones just like last month. I was coming home from, I was, when I did the Bigfoot, uh, um, thing, uh, the, the, the symposium, um, I was coming home over a bridge. I was talking to my partner, Brian, who's lived, moved out to Florida. And I was like, dude, you're not going to believe what I'm seeing. I seen, three ufos that were in the shape of christmas trees they were green they look like christmas trees okay flying across the hudson river the same way i'm going and the two on the outside had little white points of light flying around them okay so i'm talking to my partner brian and he gets on the aviation app right away to see if there's any planes in the area you know and he's like dude all the planes that are coming out of the air force base up there they're all going the other way you know there's nothing going east he goes there's there should be nothing in the sky over you. i'm looking at the radar right now there should be nothing on the sky over you i was like well dude i'm looking at three things that look like christmas trees and with little balls of light flying around. And he's like, pull over, take a picture. I go, I'm on the throughway doing it 65 miles an hour. Where am I going to pull over? There's not even an emergency lane. And then something really weird happened. The one in the middle turned colors. It turned red. And it was like green, red, green. And I was like, dude, the one in the middle just turned, changed colors, you know? And he was like, oh, you got to get a picture. You got to get a picture. And I'm like, dude, I'm on the bridge. There's no place to pull over on a bridge, you know? 
I could, I just couldn't do it. There was no place for me to, to get, to get over enough to get the photographs of these things. Yeah. It was crazy, you know, but, um, no more abduction scenarios. I haven't had any experiences in, in the bedrooms, in the house anymore. Um, points of light. Yes. I see, like I said, they see these Christmas tree things. Um, but we want to do, um, we, we want to do, we want to do, you know, he's my partner's coming back up for the summer because he still has his condo in the Bronx and he's coming back up for the summer and we want to do some more CE fives, you know, and, um, we want to go to a couple of, we plan on going to the battlefield bash in Pennsylvania and the Gettysburg. And, um, we want to do a CE five there too, with all the paranormal people and everything. So, you know, and plus we have a couple of Bigfoot expeditions coming up this summer as well. So, you know, there's stuff on, on the calendar we want to do. It's just around a point of getting around to it and the weather permitting, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, kind of starting to wrap up towards the end here because, uh, yep. you know, I'm sure we can have you on multiple times and you can almost go into each facet yeah. of the different research you do each time. Uh, before we start wrapping up, of course, uh, do you have any other, uh, UFO stories or encounters or theories or anything you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, I don't think I have any more experiences that I, that I could just like, um, offhand. I don't remember. I mean, like I said, I've seen a lot of different crafts. I've seen, I seen sauces that looked like stones skipping across the water, but they were skipping across the sky, you know? Um, and, and the, and the, and the, what you call the, the first time I seen the stadium lights blew me away as well, because I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. I thought there was someone had built like a, a baseball stadium somewhere in the middle of the woods and it had the lights on. And then, the thing took off and I was like, Oh crap. You know if what you I mean? build what it, they that? will come. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, now I mean, you know, it's just, uh, um, just remember it's all about frequency, vibration, consciousness and intention. So, um, when you're investigating, you put all of those things together and more than likely you'll have success in any investigation that you do. Just try not to be negative about anything. Well, we really appreciate you making the time to come on today, man. And we're really looking forward to doing the next one. And uh, for some of the listeners that aren't <laughs> familiar with it, hopefully doing it on the next run, uh, you have some super duper fascinating Sasquatch encounters. And I think that people are going to love hearing those when we, when we come back around to get you back on the show. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely got a lot of Bigfoot stuff. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like uh, we've learned a lot tonight, and you've just been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. No, thank, thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Shane, thank you very much. Don't overthink everything, though. <laughs> You're a deep thinker, so, you know, don't, don't overthink everything. I mean, think about everything, but just don't overthink it. I try my best not to. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll drive yourself mad, believe me. <laughs> yeah, you'll and drive I'm, yourself mad. I'm just over here going, what was that crystal? I love crystals. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. If you want a if you want a big if you want a UFO experience, get yourself a Moldavite stone. They're very I expensive. Don't have that one. Yeah, they're very expensive because they're they come from a meteor. They come from a meteorite. And I think they they mine them in in um Romania. 
So, um, but get a real one. Don't get a fake one, you know, <laughs> make sure you, cause yeah, and you'll know by the price, if the price is off the charts, you'll know it's a real one. Yeah. Believe me. But they do, they do, they do have a frequency about them that is supposed to connect because it's coming from a meteorite from outer space. It's supposed to connect with uh, the aliens. Yeah. So. so this $10 one off Amazon probably won't. <laughs> no, no, probably not. No, absolutely okay, cool. not. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. If it is authentic, you'll probably get like a piece of sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah when i when i tell you, you you'll get like it's just a sliver for like 50 bucks believe okay. me it's it's just a sliver yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm gonna hit do up. some research on them you'll see you'll see all okay. you'll read all about them it's very cool yeah actually the um it was like one of the most uh sought after stone by um all the the royals from europe at the time you know back in the medieval times yeah Hmm, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. If you guys are enjoying the show, and you know you are, come on now. You you guys made it this far into an episode. You know you enjoyed it. So if you guys don't mind, leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you guys don't mind doing it on iTunes, of course, and you guys type out something nice, uh, we'd love to read it on the show, of course, and give you guys a shout-out. Uh, another good way to, of course, help the show grow is if you don't mind sharing with a friend, even if it's, you know, they're into just one specific topic that we've talked about on the show. It's a chain reaction, you know, so if they come in, they check out that episode, they might like some other episodes, and then they might pass it on to another friend, and we'll just keep it going on the line. And that's, again, how the show grows is with your guys' help. And anything you guys do, we love and appreciate you for it. And again, if any of our listeners want to suggest anything for the show or make any contributions, reach out to us through email at bizarreencounters at outlook.com or on the submission form on the link tree. Oh, and you guys know how the internet works. If you haven't, uh, if you don't remember any of these links, they are listed in the link tree in the show description. <laughs> I've been Shane. I've been Oren. And I've been Jenny. We're the Bizarre Crew. And always remember to keep in mind that you you just got to keep it bizarre. 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 <laughs>